Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, full disclosure, we just recorded this entire episode and I'm not kidding you, one minute after it finished uploading, the page six article breaks with photos of Kim leaving Pete's Staten Island apartment around 12.30 p.m. on Monday. And at the beginning of this episode that you're about to hear, we spend probably the first 10 or 15 minutes talking about the series of photos from over the weekend, which was him leaving her hotel and then them having breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So I just want to add this into the timeline that maybe she spent the night at his Staten Island place at Saturday night. And instead of spending all day Sunday at her hotel, as we previously thought, They spent all day Sunday at his Staten Island place. And then Monday, she leaves at around 1230. And then what? He comes to her place, leaves, and then they go to the airport separately. Like this just threw a rent in the plan. I have no idea. I feel like I'm so unbelievably caught up on this timeline. And you were like, I can't believe she spent the night in Staten Island. And I'm like, I can't believe that she was in Staten Island on Monday and in the city on Monday. And both of them were like, I can't wrap my head around that fact. Well, because like in the simplest forms, if you were looking at this and this wasn't Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, and these were just two people in your daily life. And they told you that that was their schedule for the weekend. You would be like, wow, you guys like really love being around each other. Like you can't spend a second apart. What I think it is more is that I believe that this whole relationship is Uh, fabricated by the Staten Island Tourism Board to make it seem like it is so easy to get from Staten Island into the city. (laughs) The ferry sponsors it. (laughs) Yeah, like what? I know, I know, Julie. This is so fucking crazy. And then, wait, the other thing that happened right after we finished recording this entire episode was the photos of him in Beverly Hills driving her Rolls Royce after leaving that jewelry dealer. Okay. So after we finished recording this, right? Like I'm telling you guys, literally a minute after these things break and we're still on here talking, it's just not recording. And Julie's like, you know, I really believe this is hundred percent real, but God damn it. It almost feels like they're fucking with us. And we sent it to Isabel. And her first reaction was like, are they fucking with us? Or is Kim just having the time of her life? And I'm telling you, I think it's the latter. I can't tell what it is. Like with anybody else, I'm telling you, any other couple right now, I would be like, this is so blatantly PR. It's not even funny. Like how public it is, them leaving each other's places, her spending the night in Staten fucking Island, like all of it, him publicly picking up jewelry. And then everything we're getting in terms of like, which by the way, is not a ton, but it still exists in terms of insider knowledge and things we've heard is like, no, this is real. And my brain cannot comprehend that. I think I'm having a hard enough time as it is with it being Kim and Pete. 
And then the fact that this is how they're going about their relationship is just insane to me. And I actually feel like it's not Kim that I give the benefit of the doubt to in terms of this not being PR. It's actually Pete where I feel like if this wasn't real, there's not a chance in the world Pete would be caught up in this. Julie, yes. I could not agree with you more. Yes. I truly believe you're right. Like the insider stuff we've heard is definitely in my mind at some point, but that aside, like he's not putting himself through this. There's just no way. I really think, I just think it's real. I really just think it's real. And I think that we can't not accept, but we can't wrap our heads around that because it's so entertaining and it's so unfathomable, really. Unfathomable is really the word. Yeah. Nothing is fathomed here. Not one thing. It's never been less fathomed. <laughs> never. <laughs> what else? Any any other send-offs before we go to this episode? No, I just can't wait to see what the rest of this week has in store in terms of them being together. Yes. And again, we don't have a podcast, so we're just going to have to freak out in silence. But okay, enjoy this episode. It's like probably 10 or 15 minutes, Kim and Pete. And then we just did the regular Kardashian bonus show recaps. But guys, this is a whirlwind and thank God we have all of you to digest it with. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 
Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I honestly really enjoyed both of these episodes, but before we even attempt to recap them, can we talk about Kim and Pete at the Beverly Hills Hotel? Obviously, I'll die if we don't. (laughs) Okay, guys, we just need to talk about this as a group because first thing is on Saturday night, that's when they go to the Staten Island movie. We talked about that at length on Monday's episode. And do you remember, Julie, literally on the episode, I was saying, I'm surprised we haven't seen photos of him leaving her hotel. Yes, you did say that. Verbatim, on Monday, later in the afternoon, so keep that in mind, we get photos of him leaving her hotel after reportedly spending the night or all day together. And then on Tuesday morning, the pictures were apparently taken around 7.30 a.m. On Tuesday morning, they were eating breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So let's just talk about this big picture. There is a very high probability that they hung out Saturday night. He slept over. They spent all day together on Sunday. He slept over again. They spent most of the day together on Monday. He leaves her hotel room on Monday. She leaves the hotel as well. They meet up at the plane, fly to LA, sleep at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and go to breakfast. So I am just saying my gut feeling is telling me that they spent Saturday to Tuesday together nonstop. That is insane. I would love the missing piece of Sunday because we haven't seen any footage of that, either them leaving the hotel or them together out in New York, unless they spent literally the entire day at her hotel. And then on top of that, I'm willing to bet that there is now, I'm going to say a 95% chance he'll be at the Christmas party because I think that's the only logical reason for him to go back to LA now. Unless Kanye's there, I can't imagine him not being there. I mean, I guess, you know, the possibility we didn't really consider on Monday's episode is they both could be there. Kanye could be there and he could be there. It just feels very unlikely to me, given the way that we know Kanye feels about the whole situation. But we've been wrong before. Totally could be wrong again. I really think he's going to be there unless Kanye is. I know. I can't see them both being there together. Although I did see some news reports saying that they were both invited, although I don't know how accurate that is. The reason that I can't see them both being there together is because Kanye is maybe the most outspoken person on the planet. I really can't imagine a scenario in which him and Pete are in the same room and Kanye is just like nothing but chill the whole time. No, especially because he knows Pete. It's not like it's some random guy. They do have somewhat of a relationship. And also, just to be really clear in my stance on it, let's say this is a year down the line and the dust has settled a little bit, whether it's Pete or someone else, I definitely think there's a possibility that they could all be in the same room together. I just don't think this recently after everything has gone on, the divorce isn't even finalized. I don't think that's a situation Kanye would want to put himself in. No, I don't think so either. And I know that obviously we've seen Scott kind of navigate that in the past in terms of being there with Courtney and Eunice, let's say. We're not currently seeing him there with Travis, although that'll be interesting as well for the Christmas party because I don't see a scenario in which Scott skips that. But the thing with Scott is that we've seen him kind of suffer in silence at these events almost where it's like he knows it's an uncomfortable situation, particularly with Eunice or particularly with Courtney when they were broken up, but he just kind of does it and puts up with it. Kanye's not the kind of guy that just suffers in silence. No, completely. And when I think back to Scott for a second, 
we all kind of felt like we knew where his head was at. We got a little bit of it on the reunion with Andy, but just in general, having watched the show for that many years and him being so transparent about the way he felt regarding Courtney and her other relationships, like we had a good sense. It wasn't until the leaked Eunice DM where we actually got confirmation. Like to me, that was the most raw form of confirmation we've gotten. But what Scott sends Eunice in a DM that then makes it to the public sphere is what Kanye says on stage in front of millions of people. So I guess my point is there's no guessing as to where Kanye's head's at. That's why I think that to like make an educated guess as to whether or not they would both be there at the same time is a little bit easier in this particular scenario. Right. Although I will say with Kanye in terms of giving him just the benefit of the doubt in the situation, I don't think he would ever do anything in front of his kids to that extent. I mean, obviously we know that at his concert, he said the line about run back to me, Kimberly, but I don't think in terms of causing any sort of a scene or making it an uncomfortable event, he would do that with his kids there. Oh, I don't think so either. That's why I just think that he wouldn't be there or or Pete won't be there. I don't know. Maybe I am looking into this too critically. In this current moment, I cannot envision a world in which they are both there. Like, Also, by the way, that's so uncomfortable for Kim. You know, She doesn't want to have to feel like she can't be affectionate with this guy that's the person in her life right now. And by affection, I don't mean like making out, but you know, a little hand grab or like his hands on her back as they're walking. Like, I don't think that that's what she wants to be thinking about because she's also trying to protect Kanye. So I don't know. I think if Kanye's there, Pete's not going to be there. And if Pete's there, Kanye's not going to be there, but time will tell. We'll, we'll have our answer in what, three days? Uh, yeah. Do you want to guess which one it'll be though? Oh, that's fun. I am going to guess Pete. Me too. Really? Yeah, I think Pete will be there. Wow. Also, the other question here is, will the Christmas Eve party even happen given the recent breakouts? That's that's the other possibility to consider. I think yes. I think so as well. I'm just trying to like literally put every single thing on the board and just see where our minds go to. Yeah, I was thinking that as well, but I think that it'll happen. I think it's... I think they're too far along in the planning of the Christmas Eve party to cancel it. And I think that they will just make it very clear that there is testing before you go in and they're just going to have it anyway. Yeah, that would be my my gut feeling as well. I don't know, Julie. This is so wild. We are going to lose it from the footage of this. Even if... Scott's not there and Pete's not there and Kanye's not there. It's still going to be the greatest footage of all time. I cannot wait. Every single year, the Christmas party literally feels like my Christmas because it is my only Christmas. Oh no, I know. That's the thing. You don't have to bank on any of their presences to make it excellent content to receive. Although, uh, like, okay, here, hear me out for a second. A pan shot of the room coming from like Mauricio Umansky, Kyle Richards' husband, okay? He does not give a shit about what's going on in pop culture. And maybe he's posting one thing to a story. He does a quick pan. He is an avid weed smoker, so he's a little bit high. He's not really thinking. He posts it. And some like sleuth Bravo account sees that in the corner, Kim and Pete are not necessarily making out, but like he's whispering something in her ear. Like that's my, like, oh my God, talking about each other chills. That's my dream. And also, we're not going to have a podcast for it. We're going to be like combusting. Thank God we're going to be together. I know. I'm so excited. 
<laughs> I'm so excited too. When we get back for our week off, which I think the first episode after that is maybe January 3rd or January 4th, whatever that Monday is, I'm sure we'll have like a 20 minute deep dive of the party on the episode. I cannot wait. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's dot com promo code CELEBS. So moving on to the actual episodes, we're on season five, episodes three and four. Episode three, we're not going to go in as in-depthly. It's basically two main plots. One is Chloe misplaces her ring. And the second is Chris and Caitlin just continually fighting. The Chloe ring plot is like entirely filler. We're not even going to really address that. But there are definitely some things that come up within the Chris and Caitlin fights that I think carry a lot more weight than they maybe felt like they did at the time. Right. Of course, it's so interesting to see the fights and see what their marriage was like at the time and the disagreements they had that maybe, like you said, didn't carry the same weight as they do knowing that they're now divorced. But what's so interesting to me in terms of it is kind of watching the disillusion of their marriage because the fight that they had in this scene, which was pretty much about Caitlin not feeling like she had space in the house and Chris kind of taking over and being very controlling of the situation. That was a fight that they had continuously. That fight never ended. So to kind of see the origins of that fight and know that it was never fully resolved and then add on to that, like all of the fights that they are going to start to have, because like we were talking about, I think it was last week when we were doing the episode recap, this is when you're really at the starting point of what is going to become of their marriage. And they stay together for, a lot longer, I think, than we expected them to. 
but it's a lot of fights from here on out. Well, it's interesting because obviously the way this episode starts out is with one of the more famous fights. And like you said, one that continually happens where Caitlin doesn't feel like there's enough space for her in the house. And this particular one revolves around the garage where she felt like that was the one place that was her safe haven. And Chris kind of comes in and just micromanages the entire thing. Really, I think Caitlin feels like disregards her feelings about it. And Yes, you know, the way that they're kind of framing it is almost like as a more trivial fight. But to me, it's almost a metaphor to their relationship or to the way that Caitlin was feeling at the time in general, where she felt like what her needs did not fit into the life that Chris was so focused on building. And I know we're using the garage as an example of that. But to me, that's why I always felt like it was deeper than just not having a place for her airplanes. You're 100% right in terms of it being deeper because I think one of the major problems they had in their relationship, and you saw this from probably season one on, was that the things that Caitlin found to be so important to her, her helicopters, golf, anything that made her happy was something that Chris considered to be really trivial. And therefore, it wasn't just that Chris wasn't willing to give up her space. It was that she wasn't willing to acknowledge how important these certain things were to Caitlin. At the same time, though, Chris was running a business. Chris was building an empire. So for her, working all day and, you know, taking care of all of the girls' schedules and being the momager that she was, that was the biggest priority to her. So she didn't really feel like anything that was a hobby was necessarily had space in the home. And that was a fight that they continuously always had. And I think that was something that after the divorce... Caitlin really twisted. And that was a huge point of contention in terms of the fact that Caitlin made Chris out to be this like evil woman that wouldn't let her have anything. When in reality, I think Chris was just spending so much time prioritizing what they were building. Yeah. I mean, listen, depending on who you talk to, I think you could really get convinced either way. Obviously, I think in general, like just you and I as people, we... I would say if you're like calling these quote sides where we've typically been more on Chris's side, just in the way that everything kind of went down. But I absolutely think a lot of Caitlin's frustrations were totally valid. But you know, the other thing is obviously Caitlin had a wildly impressive career. And when she won the games and, you know, she was the number one athlete in the entire world. And she really was on top of the world for so many years. And even after the fact, you know, she was still doing speaking engagements and she had a lot of respect from the world and from the industry, but her career was kind of dying down makes it sound negative, not negative, but the normal kind of trajectory, you know, she was heading towards eventual retirement. And what was unique about this particular situation is that even though Chris and Caitlin were similar age-wise, they were in completely different points of their career. Like Caitlin had done the biggest thing she was ever going to do. And it was more so now just riding steady. And Chris was amping up to do the biggest thing she has ever done at an age that is older than I think most people would consider for doing something that big, you know? And I think like, I don't know if I'm making this point well, but just that kind of general misalignment in terms of the stages that they were at in their lives also played a role. No, that's an amazing point. And I really agree with you on that. I also think that just back to what you were saying about picking sides or choosing sides, quote unquote, I think they both share like a massive amount of responsibility in terms of like blame for their marriage and and what happened. The fact of the matter is though, I think that the reason that we tend to align more with Chris is that 
in the aftermath of their marriage, there was a huge, huge amount of disrespect that Caitlin had for Chris. And I think everybody was able to see that. And I think that you saw how upset the kids were at Caitlin. And therefore, you're obviously going to have that same reaction when you see that. When you watch the episodes back, had none of that taken place, I think it would have been really easy to be more Team Caitlin. Yes and no, though, because like if you just watch this episode at the time, forget about watching it back now. It's really hard to do that now because we know what ended up happening. And I don't mean what ended up happening in terms of their marriage. I mean what ended up happening in terms of Chris's career and the empire that she kind of built. So if you're just watching this episode, you know, plain at the time, absolutely, I think you can start to really feel for Caitlin. And like you said, it's not that you can't feel for her even now. But now knowing what Chris really was building and the empire she was about to accomplish and how that is going to take care of her kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And like this, you know, one of the greatest success stories in all of entertainment ever, I think you naturally give her a little bit more grace because you realize, oh shit, she was onto something that Caitlin didn't even see. Oh, a million percent. And that was one of the other issues in their relationship is that I think Chris was always able to see the big picture, maybe not to this extent, but she always knew that she was building something. And I think that Caitlin had an inability to do that. And a lot of times, unintentionally, that stood in the way, which created issues in their marriage. Yeah. I mean, listen, you really can't fault either one of them. Like, I definitely think it was just the type of situation that was not meant to last forever. And there were some bumps along the way, but they seem to be, you know, relatively civil now. The one point from this episode that we didn't really touch on, though, is the fact that it started to really get to Kendall and Kylie, Kendall more so than Kylie, but you kind of got to watch their response in real time. And to me, I thought it was a very genuine response of like, you guys have been fighting a lot. Does this mean you're going to get divorced? And their reaction was like, of course not. This is what happens. Grownups fight. And that was true for a lot of years, but it just shows that I genuinely believe in my heart that at the time of this episode being filmed, they also just thought it was a rough patch. Like when they were saying that to Kendall and Kylie, I really think that they meant it. I don't think that they ever saw a divorce on the horizon. I was just going to say that that's maybe the most interesting point of the episode, which is that obviously when you and I watch this back, we're like, oh God, you guys are headed right for a divorce. At the time, the way that they speak about it is like a divorce was off the table. They never even considered it. Like that was not a possibility. Like Kendall coming to them and saying, are you guys going to get a divorce? Was like this cute little innocent thing that children do when they don't understand that adults fight and it doesn't mean anything. Like to them, the idea that this one fight would end in a divorce was obviously ridiculous. The fact of the matter is that they were clearly ignoring a lot of other unhappiness that was taking place in their relationship. But I truly don't believe that it had hit that point yet where that was something either of them had ever thought about. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. It wasn't bullshit the way that they were talking to Kendall. Really? No, I don't think so either. Okay. Let's get into the next episode because I loved this one. Yes. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. 
So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so this next episode, we're not really going to go scene by scene either. We'll touch on some scenes here and there, but the two major plot lines are, the first is, as their fame is kind of, you know, increasing by the day, Chris is realizing that they very much need security and specifically Kim full-time security. So she enlists the help of this bodyguard that they had back when they were in Australia and he's done security for Elton John, Nicole Kidman, like he's very much the real deal. And so part of it is her resurfacing him and we're going to watch that play out. We'll get into that in a second. And then the second plot line, which we're not going to really dissect, but just so that you know what was happening was Chloe realizes that Lamar never learned how to swim. And a lot of the episode is her kind of teaching him because he tells her that before his grandmother died, he made a promise to her that he was going to learn how to swim. And one of the things that Chloe is saying is like, when she thinks back on her childhood, some of her most vivid memories are swimming with her dad. And she really wants Lamar to be able to have that experience with his children. And the way she's talking about it, you can tell she also means the children that they are going to have together or that she's hoping they're going to have together. So that's kind of the side plot that's going on throughout the course of this episode. But it was very, I felt at least, endearing watching Chloe be so patient with Lamar. Yeah, it was. And Lamar also gets very frustrated with himself during this. And there's a point where he says to Chloe, like, 
I've never felt frustrated like this because I've always been good at everything and I'm not used to that feeling of not being good at it. And Chloe is so supportive and understanding of that. But you can also tell that that's exactly how she sees Lamar, which is like he's just good at everything. And I think that that was one of the biggest pieces of their marriage at the time, obviously prior to things going downhill, was just that Chloe had this level of admiration for Lamar, but Lamar also had it for Chloe. Oh, totally. He he really did, but hers was in a different way. It just was in a different way because to be clear, like he admired the woman that she was, the sister that she was. He totally envisioned her as the mother of his future children. Like I think he was so in love with everything about the person that she was. But for her, it was all of those same things. And then on top of that, like the athlete that he was and just what came with that and kind of just the dedication and the drive and like his just natural abilities as well. I think she was continually blown away by. Yeah, definitely. I mean, also at the time, this was the most famous person that she had dated. Like I know that's kind of a weird thing to say or almost like may seem like a non-additive metric, but I do think there was still the idea of it being Lamar Odom, you know, like legendary Laker Lamar Odom that of course she wasn't starstruck by, I don't misunderstand, but that resonated with her. I think also when you compare it to her sisters, that was a big thing as well. And I don't mean that in terms of a big draw of just their relationship. I think she loved Lamar for Lamar, but I think in terms of how that reflected on herself at the time, it was like, Courtney had just had a baby with Scott and they were very up in the air and no one really liked Scott. Kim was single at the time and Chloe was married to a Laker who was on a big playoff run who was like one of the most famous basketball players at the time. And then on top of that, she was the one that like had this very successful relationship and was living in a big house and all of her sisters were kind of coming to her for help. And Courtney was coming to her to live with her at the time and Rob was staying in their house. And I think that for her own view of herself, the way that she was in position with the rest of her family, that was kind of the first time that this was the case for her. And I think she felt a lot of comfort and excitement in that. And Lamar was a huge, huge, huge piece of that. Oh no, completely. I like, I don't think she was getting her confidence from that. And as she's spoken about, you know, in various interviews, she had a lot of confidence naturally. And it was over the years that it kind of withered away due to like the way she was covered by the media. But it's not even that it was, she was gaining confidence from that. I think it was more so just an acknowledgement of like a win for herself. I think she felt like she was finally getting her due. Yes. In a way where it's not that she didn't want them to, but it probably did feel really good. Yeah. Okay, so this bodyguard plotline, I don't give a shit how fake this was. I was living for it. I was watching this episode as if it was the first time I ever saw it. So basically, Chris brings this guy that they had in Australia, like I said, but initially Kim doesn't want him because back when they were in Australia, she remembers him as being very kind of quiet. And she says to Chris, like she doesn't necessarily want that energy around. But Chris insists and... They have their first photo shoot where it's a beach bunny photo shoot with Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. And Chris brings him around just kind of like to introduce him to everyone and to get him situated. And it's in this first photo shoot where everybody else realizes like, wait a second, Kim's bodyguard is really hot. 
And I think Kim also has that realization because she hadn't been looking at him in that light. Well, first of all, just going back for one second, the thing that really got me in this episode that I couldn't get over was when Chris brings this idea to her of they have to have a bodyguard or Kim specifically has to have a bodyguard. Kim's initial response is, I don't need one. It wasn't even just that she specifically didn't want him, which she did. She she wasn't a fan of having him at the time. But she also felt like she didn't need a bodyguard, period, which I can't even remember a time where that would even remotely be the case. And then on top of that, you add on the fact that she now has this bodyguard and he's hot and all of her sisters are like trying to get her to acknowledge that because the simultaneous plot line from last episode was Kim is single and we really want her to start dating again. Right. And that is the thing about this show that I don't know if I will ever get over of like, not only have we watched their entire career and the trajectory and watch it take off, like you can pretty much pinpoint this. And okay, you want to say that this scene was dramatized for the show? Fine. But you can pinpoint at least this six-month period as the time in which they realized their fame level was that of somebody who needs full-time security. Do you know how rare that is for A-list celebrities, for us as the public to be able to go back and look and and you know pinpoint that time in our minds? It's unheard of. It's so like... It's so much more than just, yes, this happened to be a really fun plot line with the security guard that I can't wait to talk about because he was so hot and I loved their chemistry. Like that's in and of itself. But also like we're watching the moment where Kris Jenner comes to Kim and says to her, by the way, like, I think you need security. And at that time, maybe we did or didn't realize that was never going to change. From then on, it would only increase to the point where she is 100% round the clock spending millions of dollars a year because that's the only way that it is at all feasible to go through her life. It's insane when you break it down. It really is. You're right. That trajectory of security in regard to fame is absolutely wild. And the reason that it's crazy is not just because this is what happens with every celebrity. It's not like every single celebrity gets to the point where they're big enough that they need 24-hour personal security with them. That's not the case with a lot of people, and that's not the case with a lot of A-list celebrities. It was that Kim's fame is such a specific kind of fame that Kim can no longer leave the house without having that. Right. And that's the thing about the Kardashians. It wasn't even that at this point, their fame level was so high that they needed it. It was that their influence level was so high that they needed it because people were flocking to them, specifically Kim, wherever they went. Like At the same time, a, a celebrity like Julia Roberts or somebody who was just factually far more famous never needed this level of security because, I mean, for a million reasons, but I think also, as Kim was talking about in the Barry Weiss podcast, like the social media thing was so intertwined with her rise to fame that people felt more connected to her than they did to people that were even more famous than her. So it was like this thing where when she would be in a giant crowd, everybody felt like they knew her, which of course has only increased, but that wasn't so, that wasn't so prominent at the time. That wasn't typically the reaction to celebrities. So what's funny is that I believe that the trip to Australia that Kim is referring to in terms of having Shango for the first time is something that she's actually spoken about more recently in interviews, which is that they went to Australia and that's when they were there for that opening of that cupcake store. And the crowd outside was so unbelievably massive that it was the first time that they truly experienced it to that extent. And Kim marks that as one of the first times that she really started to understand how famous she was. So it's interesting that that kind of small, like one-off anecdote about this specific 
bodyguard is actually something that she would end up talking about years and years later as an earmark of fame, if it is the same trip, which I believe it is. But then on top of that, the thing that is also fascinating is that in this episode, the security was only for Kim. It was obviously the whole family was together and therefore the security was protecting all of them just by proximity. But the reason they had the security was literally just for Kim. It wasn't with any other family members in mind. And I think at the time, the idea that Kim would need personal security forever and increased personal security from here on out was one thing. I don't think anybody thought that this is something that would even remotely extend to the rest of the family. Oh my God. If Chris ever thought that for herself, like think about it in in those terms, right? right? Like she was putting this in place to protect her daughter. Little did she know she would never leave the house ever again a year down the line without full security for her. Like the whole thing is so crazy. It, It really, really is. I know. Okay. So back to the actual episode, let's get a little bit more micro here. Like this was so much fun to watch because she's still at this hotel, obviously, after the Indy 500, and she wants to go to dinner and no one's around. And so she's like, you know what? I'm going to see if Shango wants to go. And she knocks on his door and he opens the door. He's in a towel. He looks so hot. This is not typically my type, but I really do think he was very hot. He was so hot and kind of exactly what Kim was describing as her type in the last episode. Yeah. And so he opens the door in just a towel. Again, I don't give a shit how fake this was. We're pretending it was real because it was so much fun. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, let me just go quickly change. And so while he's changing, she calls Courtney and she's like on her Blackberry. Oh my God. He's like kind of really hot. And they go downstairs to have dinner together. And when they get there, he pulls her chair out and they're just talking. And she makes a comment to him like, you know, I honestly can't remember a guy that I've been with who has done that for me. And you can see that like her wheels are just starting to turn in terms of like, hmm, I think I could get behind this. Watching Kim flirt is my drug. Drug, Julie. I think the reason I was so obsessed with watching her do this is because in my mind, it was the first time I had insight into what it must be like watching her flirt with Pete. Like I imagine in those early days when we saw the pictures of them holding hands on that roller coaster, that this is the same version of Kim that we're getting here. Yes. Yes. I am so glad you just said that. This We have not seen this part of Kim in so long. And it's interesting because she's obviously such like a person filled with sex appeal and flirtatiousness and her entire kind of brand, or not her entire brand, but so much of her brand was built on that. Yet, it's it's not the first thing that you would mention when you talked about all the different qualities about her that you feel like you know over all these years because we never really saw it that much. And this was like almost, uh, I don't want to say like a schoolgirl type of situation, but it's almost what it was. You know, she was kind of just giddy. And that's how I envision she is with Pete. The way I can describe it is that I know she learned a lot of stuff from Paris. She clearly Mm -hmm. learned how to flirt from her too. I think so as well. Okay, so next scene, this is such a good one. Basically, Cordy and Scott are going to dinner with Chris and Kim is coming. And of course she brings Shango, but it ends up almost feeling like a double date because when they get there, she has him sit at the table. So it's Courtney Scott, Chris in the middle, and then Kim and Shango. And they're all having a great time. It's honestly very pleasant. You almost forget about what had just transpired with Chris and Scott in Miami. And Courtney makes a comment about feeling nauseous. And Chris says something like, oh God, you're not pregnant, are you? And Courtney's like, I don't know, I I may be. And Chris says to Scott, you need to stay away from her. That would be my first advice. And Courtney's like, we're not asking for your advice. And Scott basically gets up and 
leaves the dinner and Courtney soon after follows. But like, before we get into the Kim and Shango stuff, let me just acknowledge this is a moment where everybody, both Kim and Courtney, and honestly, even Shango in his way, were in agreement that Chris was kind of out of line here. Yeah, it was like Chris literally just couldn't help herself. But also, you watch Scott have a reaction that was clearly advised to him by his therapist, which was like, if you're in a situation, instead of engaging and getting upset, just leave. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, it's exactly what he did. And and it was the right move because it made him look so much better in the situation. But I don't know. I mean, I understand that Chris still had a lot of anger towards Scott, but it just, it felt, I don't know. It did feel kind of out of line watching this scene. Yeah, it did. I mean, I think that Chris thought it was just the, funny comment that she was making and expected Scott to joke around with her. And Scott was not down for that. And as soon as she realized the energy that she wasn't getting back from Scott was one of a joking tone, Chris should have just ended it and apologized. And instead she kind of kept going. Well, it's hard for him or Courtney for that matter to take it as a joke when they know that there's so much truth behind it. Like she was dead serious in what she meant. She was saying it in a joking tone to almost cover up the true sincerity of how scared she would be if Courtney was in fact pregnant by him a second time. Right. Something that's funny about Scott and Courtney's relationship that they continuously do throughout the show is they have these very dramatic breakups and then all of a sudden they're back together. Especially here, it was it was Courtney was only seeing him in the context of Mason. And then Courtney was going to lunch with him. And then all of a sudden, it was like they were fully back together. I know, I know. And there was no explainer in the None. middle. Okay, so everybody leaves. Kim and Shango go back to her house. And they're kind of just going over the schedule for tomorrow. And he says, you know, so are you going to need me tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, but I can't even think about tomorrow so much going on. And she walks him to the door and they make out in front of her front door in her dress from the night. Like, I don't know why I'm talking about this as if I have never watched two people make out before. Like I've literally seen Kim's sex tape and still this was the most erotic content I've ever seen. I was going to say you've literally seen her sex tape. I think the reason that it was so funny and so enjoyable to watch is because you really watched it from beginning to end in terms of what Kim's clear intentions were. So like when her and Courtney are getting ready to leave for this dinner at Katsuya, Kim puts on this really nice dress and Courtney's like, what are you so dressed up for? And she's like, oh, I just had this dress. I wanted to wear it. And then they get to Katsuya. They're sitting at the table and Shango's kind of standing outside of the room. And Kim is so flirty. She's like, no, come in, like, come sit, come sit with us. And everybody kind of gives each other a look. And right before they leave, when it's just the two of them left at the restaurant after Courtney and Scott storm out and Chris storm out, Kim orders shots for the both of them. And Shango's like, no, I can't take it. I'm on the clock. So Kim takes it herself. And it was just like, Everything from Kim's perspective was so planned out from start to finish in terms of what she wanted to happen with Shango, but she tried to play it off like it was just like a complete whim of what happened. And that's what was so funny to see. It was amazing. It was amazing. I was here for every single second of it. And also he clearly wanted to so badly as well, but he was not going to be the one to make the move. You know, he wanted to remain relatively professional. I also think just in general, there's something like very hot about that like idea of doing something that almost feels forbidden, even though technically it's not, you know, they were two adults that were making a fully consensual decision, but she felt like it wasn't really allowed because she was technically employing him and he didn't want to cross that line. Like there was definitely that thing there, although it was two people that like genuinely wanted to engage in this. 
And then on top of that dynamic, you have the dynamic of him being there as like her quote protector. Right. Which is like just so hot in general. Like I very much could see the way that people could feel attracted to their bodyguards if they're somebody that they would already be attracted to physically because, you know, there's nothing hotter than that of like, I know that nothing is going to happen to me when I'm with this person because they will handle it. And like, not only will they handle it in my mind, like they are absolutely trained to like, that is fucking sexy. Yeah. Just ask Kevin Costner. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So basically the next day she goes straight to his hotel and she has a very, I think, pleasant conversation with him where she acknowledges that she has no idea what happened last night and they should keep it professional. But it was it was just so fun. Like I I, can't, I just can't get over how much fun this was to watch. I love the early seasons when there is so much fun, especially with Kim, because obviously one of the biggest changes in Kim is you've seen her get more and more serious over the years. And that was one of the reasons that SNL was so exciting is because you got to see this very playful side of her. And we do get that sometimes, don't get me wrong. Like It's not like she was on SNL and any of us were shocked to see how funny and playful she can be. But it's just the majority of the plot lines we see Kim have are more serious. They're more work-related. They're Kanye-related. They're kid-related. They're law school-related. So you kind of lose out on that fun nature at Kim that we know. And so for this episode to be just an entirely fun episode, it was so unbelievably enjoyable. Yeah, it really was. It was just like good old-fashioned Kardashians. Yes. (laughs) I'm laughing. It's like not going to translate, but I was laughing about when I sent you the picture of Lamar when he was in the goggles and you were saying that 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 was you and my little cousin's goggles over the summer. (laughs) No, I have to explain that better because we get to Emma's house and Emma's aunt is like, she's like, are you a good swimmer? And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, I need you to go to the bottom of the pool and like get all of the kids like sinking toys out from the bottom because we can't get them out of the deep end. So like, I'm like, no problem. I jump right in the pool. I have, I need to use goggles to be able to see them. So I'm like doing like a little deep dive in the deep end of the pool and getting them all out. And all of a sudden, by the way, at this point, Emma is not out at all. Like she has no, she has no idea of this mission. So all of a sudden, Emma walks out to come in the pool also. And I'm in a six-year-old pink child's goggles. And she's like, what did I miss here? That you are in my uncle's pool. In tight, tight goggles, cutting off the circulation of your face. It was maybe the funniest thing ever. (laughs) The reason that it was so funny is because nobody flinched. Like, Arlene was like, oh, yeah, of course. She's just in the deep end getting Elle's toys. Duh. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, of course. Of course no one flinched. Oh, my God. Do you you guys have to understand? Julie and Isabel have, like, full-blown relationships with my family members that I, I'm not even aware of. Like they have separate group chats. Like they just have, I can, it, it's it's so like for maybe for somebody hearing that story, it would be weird that you were like at my family's house for the weekend and I wasn't downstairs. They live lives before I come down sometimes in the morning. Like it's, it's, it's remarkable. We went to the beach without you. I know. <laughs> oh, anyway. That was fun. I just had a lot of fun. Julie, this is our last time recording together until 2022. Oh my God. Well, happy new year. <laughs> Isabel and I will be back tomorrow for Bravo. We're going to talk Miami, a bunch of other things. And I think that's all. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us another year to do this. It's the best thing ever. Oh my God. What else do you want to say? I feel like this is this feels very final. 
I think that's it. But I think that we have a lot to look forward to in 2022 in terms of Kardashians because we are so close to the Hulu show. Yeah, we are so close. I cannot wait. Guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for every week giving us your thoughts and just being awesome and so engaged and understanding why we appreciate this stuff in the way we do. We love you and I'll see you tomorrow and then we'll see you next year. Thank you.